Hello and welcome to Connecting the Pieces, an Eastern Sector Development Team podcast focused on connecting, supporting and promoting good diversity, wellness and reablement approaches. My name is Dale Park and in this two-part series into reablement, I will talk firstly with my colleague Lisa Dean and then Lisa and I will hear from Dee Chand from Maroondah City Raz Outlet in part two. Lisa, today's podcast is going to look at reablement and everything associated with that, making people feel more comfortable and sharing some really good examples of what reablement is. So, starting us off, what is reablement? How would you define it or describe it? So, thanks, Dale. If we want to understand what reablement is, we really need to go back to understanding of what wellness is, Mm -hmm. a wellness approach. So when we think about wellness, it's about putting the person at the centre of care, so supporting a person's independence through building their strength and their engagement with the service. It's about working in partnership with the people who access our services and about building their autonomy and ensuring that they're kind of at the centre of all decisions about their care. So reablement actually incorporates all of those elements and the key difference, I suppose, is that its focus is really on time-limited interventions. Mm-hmm. And I should probably also say, you know, when we talk about wellness and reablement, we also are talking about considerations around diversity aspects which I'm sure you'll appreciate yeah I think that's a that's a good intersection and bearing in mind that you know it's called connecting the pieces and we're all about showing that relationship and connection between diversity wellness and reablement I wanted to to touch on that a little bit and think about how can someone's diversity or their background be a way to tell us information about who they are and what's important to them? I suppose one of the key ways that we do this is the way that we interact with our clients. So how we engage them in through assessment and care planning as they're coming into our service. I mean, obviously we want to create an environment within our services where people feel safe and Mm. comfortable and welcomed. So once they're actually in our services, then it's about that that care planning process, really getting to know who a person is and what's important to them, um, to understand their kind of life experiences, where they've come from. And that information will really help to inform the way that services are delivered into the future. Mm. And I think one thing we're always trying to remind ourselves of and remind our service providers that we work with and we know that service providers keep on having these conversations as well is around issues of ageism so that can really play into how a conversation around care planning and what's important to someone could come out if we're thinking that all older people are the same act the same have the same interests then that's really going to impact those discussions Absolutely, Dale. I mean, when we think about reablement services, we need to 
look at the whole person and not just take into consideration their age or even a particular health condition. Reablement is a is potentially for all clients, and it's really about understanding whether or not a person has a short term goal that they are motivated and able to work towards. And that's really about what reablement is. It's about understanding whether someone has a kind of particular outcome that they're wanting to achieve and that there is the potential to adapt to maybe a functional loss or to regain, you know, confidence and capacity to actually resume their normal life. Mm -hmm. So what would you say, because there may be people listening who are questioning what the difference between wellness and reablement is. You've obviously talked about how wellness is a component of reablement. So what would be the, the difference? So Dale, the key difference is really about the length of service. So reablement is incorporates everything that a wellness approach incorporates. The difference is that it involves time-limited intervention to meet a specific goal. Mm-hmm. When we're thinking about reablement, what makes a good episode of reablement or how do we identify who would be appropriate for a reablement episode? Yeah, great question. I think the first thing that we need to understand is that reablement is actually embedded within the assessment, referral and service delivery pathways. So it's actually overseen by our regional assessment services. So these home support assessors are actively seeking to identify opportunities with clients who are motivated and are wanting to address a a specific need. So the reablement discussion really happens as part of the home support assessment. And they do this by identifying whether there have been recent changes that the client might have experienced, understanding what's important to the person and really encouraging them and motivating the person to engage in, in planning activities to understand whether there is an opportunity for reablement. So the key things mm-hmm. that the home assessor is probably looking for is about does the client have uh, short-term goals that they are seeking to achieve and are they motivated to achieve those goals? And I think sometimes it's about understanding who the client is and what actually motivates them, mm. their life experiences, because that's really going to help the home support assessor hone in, I suppose, on how they can encourage the client. Mm. I just want to link diversity into that idea of motivation for a moment and think about how important it is to create that safe environment that you were talking about. Because if we really want to learn what motivates someone or maybe what is going to drive them to achieve something, we need that safe environment because some of the things that are really important to them or the things that they're wanting to change or maybe get back to could be deeply personal that they may then need to reveal something to that assessor. So I think the way in which we can understand a client's motivation through understanding and creating a safe environment is really key. Absolutely, I agree. You know, building that rapport with 
someone coming into service is so important and allowing people to tell their story in their way. And I think most service providers would agree that sometimes you get the whole story and sometimes you get part of the story. So we have to acknowledge that for different people, they will tell their story perhaps over a period of time. So it really is about making people feel as comfortable as possible and as safe as possible. One of the things that I also wanted to touch on and think about in relation to diversity and that that idea of motivation and how key that is to reablement is if we're not considering our clients' diversity, then we may be missing out on what actually motivates them. And I was thinking about there may be a clinical need for someone to improve their mobility or their functionality, but there may not be the driver for them to do that in terms of just from a clinical perspective. But actually, if it was an Aboriginal elder who was really wanting to get back to country and you were able to tap into that idea of building up physical fitness and in order to get back to what you want, we can put these steps in place around allied health or potentially around a, an older LGBTI person wanting to connect back with their community. There may be some underlying health issues that they need sorting, but they may not be as interested to sort out unless there is that motivation to achieve something that's really important to them. That's so true, Dale. When we think about working with clients to understand what their particular needs are and their goals are, the goals don't necessarily need to relate to service delivery per se. So, you know, there will be people whose goal, uh, as you describe, may be to reconnect with community or it may be to reconnect uh, with family or the enjoyment of an activity that they just haven't had the opportunity to be involved in for some mm. time. So it really is getting to know who the person is and what's important to them will really help to understand what those those short-term reablement goals might look like. And when the home support assessors work with clients, they would generally identify a broad reablement goal with the client, but it's really the responsibility of service providers to take that broad goal and have a chat with the client about what that means for service delivery. So breaking the goal down into realistic and achievable steps. And of course, you want those service-specific goals to be measurable so that you can determine the progress of the client's goal achievement as you work through the episode of reablement and service delivery. And so with those goals, for instance, they don't need to be directed at the time that the client is engaged with that service. They can be something outside of the remit of what that service is doing. For instance, if someone wanted to feel more confident to go out at night to a book club or to go to dinners or or things like that, there's that flexibility around the goals as well, isn't there? Absolutely, Dale. And, I, you know, I would certainly encourage service providers to work with clients 
to develop, help them to develop goals that are actually going to be meaningful to them and in their lives. Actually accessing uh, an occupational therapist to access an exercise program, that's actually something that we do. It's an action. It's not necessarily Mm -hmm. a goal. The goal might be related to improving your ability to walk a certain distance so that Mm. you can you know go to your weekly lunch with friends for example yeah so that really requires the service provider to not limit themselves in how they look to have conversations and define what's important to the client absolutely yes it's really important so you mentioned that it's the regional assessment service who identifies clients who are eligible and appropriate for a reablement episode. Are all service providers required to accept referrals for reablement? Great question. Absolutely, yes. It is actually a requirement of the CHSP funding agreements that all service providers accept referrals for episodes of reablement. So service providers should actually ensure that they have processes and systems in place to support time-limited service interventions. And that also includes ensuring that staff are appropriately trained and understand the nature of the time-limited services. Well, it's obviously very good to have that reinforced about the requirement around referrals and acceptance of reablement episodes. I think what a lot of service providers would probably find quite useful is a bit of understanding around how service delivery could look different for clients who are receiving a reablement episode, especially given that time frame that you mentioned earlier is, is so critical to a reablement episode. Yeah, absolutely. We know that for all clients who access services through the CHSP program, that we should be using an inclusive wellness approach. And that is really about applying the kind of doing with rather than doing for, if you like. But given the nature of a reablement service in that it is time limited, it's likely that there may require a greater level of flexibility in terms of how the services are delivered. So... Mm -hmm. It might be things around, you know, the the hours of service delivery may be different to what you might ordinarily expect. The frequency of contact with the person may may look a a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And service delivery for reablement services is likely to be different for each client. And that's really because we want to tailor these services to meet their specific needs and their goals. When a client is referred as a reablement episode, what are the sorts of services that are are usually taken up as part of that? So in terms of services, I suppose what we need to think about is what are the goals of reablement. And so as a general rule, Reablement will predominantly include things like training for a new skill, for example, or, you know, working to regain or maintain an existing skill. But it can also include things like modifications to a person's home or having access to assistive technology or equipment 
that might help people to be more independent in the home. So if these are the broad types of areas that reablement works well in, some of the types of services might be things like changing the way someone actually interacts within their home. So, you know, looking at things like work and rest routines and joint protection. So giving people the confidence and skills to be able to, to manage in their own homes. It might be about the provision of aids and equipment to simplify daily activities. So whether someone's working, you know, in the kitchen, for example, or equipment to support their own self-care, things like long-handled sponges and, and different gadgets like that. Reavement might also include things around health management, building people's knowledge and capacity to manage their own health. It can also include engaging people in home and centre-based activities and potentially there could be things like exercise programs or hydrotherapy or physiotherapy, but there is also an opportunity to support reablement in a social support environment. Maybe, for example, it might be about rebuilding someone's confidence to use the public transport system to get somewhere on their own or supporting a person to access a local library, returning to something that's important to them. So there's some of the typical kind of activities. I think what we're finding is that a lot of referrals for reablement are predominantly coming through to allied health services they tend to lend themselves more easily to episodes of reablement. But I would certainly encourage anyone listening out there today to really have a good look at their own services, irrelevant to what service type you deliver, to think about whether there's an opportunity to offer a time-limited intervention as an option for people wanting to access that service. I think that's really interesting. And I know that we've had some other people talk about that type of approach as well in terms of even if the client maybe isn't a reablement episode as referred from the regional assessment service, if they're in a group-based activity, for instance, there could be something that the group's offering that actually is reablement principled in regards to building capacity, building a new skill. They may still stay in the group for the social aspect, but they've actually Im improved or enhanced their ability or capacity in, in a specific area. Absolutely. That's a really important point, Dale, because we talk about reablement services and we know that CHSP defines those as referrals coming through from our regional assessment services. But I suppose irrespective of whether you receive a referral through a, a RAS or not, the principles that underpin reablement are those principles that underpin a wellness approach. So we should be working with all clients to identify their goals, whether they be long or short term, and working with the person in a way that motivates and encourages them to achieve their goals, irrespective of whether or not the referral has come through our, our RAS. I really encourage service providers to be working with clients in a way 
that supports their identification and achievement of short-term goals. So if we go back a little bit in regards to, we started off looking at what reablement is and all the different components that sort of go into a reablement episode. We know, because we've been around for a little bit, that there's been a lot of confusion and maybe some misinterpretation or misunderstanding about reablement. There was definitely a time where some people were concerned that their people on social support who had been there and came for the social aspect were going to be told that they needed to exit the program because they'd been reabled and things mm. like that. Yep. Are, th- are there other sorts of misconceptions or misunderstandings that you think is really important to get cleared up? That's a really good question. I'm not sure that there's necessarily a whole lot of misconceptions out there. I think at the moment we're all working towards building a consistent understanding of what reablement looks like within the CHSP program. And it's a work in progress. And there are lots of definitions, you know, not only in Australia, but I think a lot of what we see around reablement comes from the UK and they have quite a different definition of reablement. So I would really encourage people to do their homework, ask lots of questions, talk with your colleagues, talk with your assessment, your local assessment services to support a consistent understanding of reablement. There will no doubt be opportunities for reablement within your services and maybe you're not actually receiving referrals for those service types at the moment. If that's the case, talk with your local RAS provider and let them know what those opportunities are. We know that there are systems in place at the moment through My Aged Care that are not necessarily perfect. And I think one of the important things that we can all do is to identify what the issues are and work with colleagues, both within our organisations, with other organisations, but most importantly, with our assessment services. I think it's really good to hear that, Lisa, and to know that we're continuing to learn about reablement and that it's probably a moving and an evolving environment that we're working in. If you were asked to identify or to kind of highlight what the benefits are for a client who goes through a reablement episode? What would you highlight as the benefits? I think one of the key features about reablement is that it focuses on the client and the client's specific needs. Hopefully, if we've been able to have a good conversation with clients, they're going to recognise the benefits to themselves and how it will impact their life into the future and change their circumstances for the better. And that's, you know, what we want to work towards when we're supporting clients to identify their goals and what they hope to get out of the service. You know, what do they actually want to be different in their lives as a result of accessing this short-term service? I think another key feature as well, and Dale, you touched on this a little bit earlier when you asked about ageism and clients who who may or may not be um, suitable for reablement based on their age. 
And I think it's important for us all to come into the conversation with an understanding that age is not a barrier, but that also applies for our clients. Mm. You know, sometimes I've heard service providers say, you know, we have clients coming in and, you know, they may have a dodgy shoulder and they say, oh, that's, that's just my age. So it's not just about um, us as service providers having those preconceived ideas. It's also sometimes our clients. So it's helping them to understand that they actually have the capacity to make improvements themselves. And maybe they don't realise that. And that is part of that discussion about building their confidence to know that they can actually achieve something really positive and benefit from that in many aspects of their lives. Mm, That's so true, Lisa. I mean, to think that ageism only has an impact on younger people or people of the middle age um, is completely false because it's a societal construct that is happening day in, day out. And people who are older now were younger once before. And we, especially within a Western construct, have a society that values and privileges youth and Therefore, the flip side of that means that we tend to undervalue and underestimate what older people can do and are capable of doing, which means that older people can do that themselves. So I really Mm. think that's a great message to actually encourage service providers to softly, but, you know, and supportively challenge any of those inherent ageist attitudes that that clients may have adopted or learnt throughout their life. Absolutely. We're very aware that the way in which we understand and respond to reablement is growing and changing and evolving over time. And it's really encouraging to see that there's more focus and peer support being developed in this space. I'm aware that you're part of a community of practice that's been established. Could you tell us a little bit about that and what it's looking to achieve? The CHSP program has established a community of practice on behalf of service providers. It's an online forum that service providers and assessors can join and access training and events, uh, maybe, you know, ask questions and share good practices around wellness and reablement services. So this is a, a national community of practice. It's actually run by the sector for the sector. So it's a really great opportunity for people to, to get on and share their uh, ideas and thoughts around you know, reablement activities. So the community of practice is available for people to join and we really encourage you to, to get on and have a look uh, and meet some, some, new, some new peers from, from around Australia. So it's available for you to access via uh, www.more-good-days.com.au. If you Google more good days, it should bring up the community of practice for you. I think that's a really good activity that's been developed there. And we know because we run a community of practice for our Eastern Sector Development colleagues 
how valuable they can be, but it really does also require people within that community to share their thoughts and their concerns and their questions and their challenges, as well as their advice and, and good practice, because that's how we actually learn from each other. And sometimes people don't want to share for the things that they don't know for fear of, you know, maybe looking like they don't know what they should, but actually that's how we all really learn. Absolutely, Dale, yes. And I think, you know, in the short time that it's been running, it's, it's been a really valuable resource. So I encourage people to, to jump on. Thanks for being with us today, Lisa, to talk us through reablement. In part two of our reablement series, We'll be speaking with Dee Chand from Maroondah City Raz Outlet and Dee will be giving her perspective and experiences of being a Raz assessor and supporting the reablement process. And thank you for listening. This has been Connecting the Pieces, a podcast for the Eastern Sector Development Team. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out our website esdt.com.au for other resources and contact information. Connecting the Pieces is recorded on Wurundjeri land. The Eastern Sector Development Team acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the traditional custodians of land and sea throughout Australia and pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging. The Eastern Sector Development Team is supported by the Australian Government Department of Health and although funding has been provided by the Australian Government, The materials and comments made do not necessarily represent the views or the policies of the Australian government.